0: Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the ObsPod pod is for you. Episode 97. Awards. I'm thinking of applying for the British Podcast Awards. My sister kindly suggested that I might. I'm entering into it not with any expectation of winning, but because why not? It might help raise awareness of my podcast. It might help spread the word. It might grow the conversation and it might be fun. And also because every now and again, it's really nice to take stock and think about what I've achieved and reflect and look back on my podcasting journey. Awards are funny things. We all like to be valued and rewarded for our work. It's a great feeling, external validation. It's important to many of us, and I'm no exception. Partly because if you lack self-esteem and confidence, it's really nice and rewarding to be supported by others, valued by others and reassured that we're doing a good job. But I must admit I've got really mixed feelings about awards. Awards never used to be a thing in the NHS but in the last decade awards have become very much a thing both at local, regional and national level. It seems like awards and award ceremonies have kind of exploded at face value this is a good thing it can be motivating you work hard put yourself out there go the extra mile go above and beyond and it gets noticed someone appreciates your efforts and I think that's why we've had this outbreak of awards in the NHS it's meant to motivate the workforce in the NHS, we have very limited ability to reward our staff. We have very structured pay scales. We don't have performance-related pay very much. And there's big restrictions on any financial reward. So the answer's simple. We can try and reward people in other ways. Hence, award ceremonies. These ceremonies started at national and regional level, the big ones, HSJ, the Health Service Journal, the BMJ, British Medical Journal Awards, the RCM, the Royal College of Midwives. These are accolades that bring recognition to an organisation, perhaps more than the individual. When awards started appearing on the scene, I kind of naively thought that one just applied, told people what you'd done and you might get a pat on the back. I remember there were some London Leadership Academy Awards and I just shoved in an application for the South West London Maternity Network that I was currently chairing. I put it in in the partnership working category This was in the days before the invention of local maternity systems and I was really proud of the collaborative work we were doing across South West London between the hospitals, commissioners and GPs. I was a bit stunned when we got shortlisted and then had to go and be interviewed. We did get a trip out and a very nice dinner and dressed up, even though we didn't win It felt special to be celebrating our collaborative work and feel that we'd achieved something. Over time, I grew wiser about awards or more jaded, depending on your perspective. In the competitive world that the NHS started to become, with hospitals becoming foundation trusts, hospitals were competing with one another, competing for business. So an award could be beneficial if our team is the best in the country, after all, more people will want to come and use our service. When I was on the executive team of my hospital, I remember there being a discussion about strategically, which teams should we put forward to awards? Where did we have a realistic chance of getting shortlisted or winning? Where would we put our energy what did we want to be known for? We couldn't nominate too many teams for too many things. We needed to apply expertise and strategy. We needed to employ our communications team to do the writing. So I started to understand that being good isn't actually what it's about. It's about how you pull together a persuasive case. It's about building evidence. It's about professionals writing the bids. In 2014, we won a Patient Safety and Care Award in the HSJ and Nursing Times for dementia care. Yes, absolutely. Our dementia care was fantastic and we've won another award recently for it. We've invested a lot of time and money and effort into this. And we are. Outstanding at dementia care because our population has a high proportion of elderly with dementia. So we decided it was a quality priority for us. But equally, we could have done all that work, provided fantastic dementia care, and won absolutely nothing. It doesn't apply that simply because you are providing the best care, you will win awards for it. It's far more complicated. There's also a large amount of politics. Some people seem to win everything and anything. The usual suspects, as it were. Others who move heaven and earth get nothing. It becomes difficult to nominate people for awards without the backing of a hospital. I successfully nominated Jenny the Midwife, who featured in episode 77, A Chat with Jenny the Midwife. She was a phenomenon. I knew she was doing amazing things, pioneering skin to skin in her hospital. I knew a limited amount from talking to her and how she inspired other people to promote skin to skin in the maternity operating theatre. I put her in for a Kate Granger Award, named after Kate Granger, the doctor that founded the Hello My Name Is campaign. This award was for compassionate care and for leadership in compassionate care. But when I approached her trust, which she's since retired from, to ask them to give me supporting information to support my nomination of Jenny for the award, they were completely unable to give me any information. She just didn't seem to be on their radar, or it wasn't important to them. Moving on from national awards, awards have gradually become more and more common. There's a ripple down from the top. Almost every NHS organisation now has its annual staff awards. And again, I figured, obviously, one has a better chance at local level, doesn't one? And to be clear, I was never nominating myself. I was nominating others, perhaps individuals that I work with or a team that I felt had particularly done well that year. But however much I tried, however eloquent my writing, however much evidence I added as to what the person had done, the person never seemed to win. The teams and individuals always seemed to be selected from the areas of the hospital with the most spotlight on them. Whereas for me, it was about unsung heroes. The annual staff awards became monthly staff awards and the monthly trust awards became insufficient so there are now also nominations for department star of the month. I did eventually successfully nominate one midwife for a trust monthly award for her outstanding contribution. But this is only one of many, many nominations I've put in over the years. And this is where the motivation can start to tip so that awards, instead of being motivating, rewarding staff, can start to feel demotivating. The more awards you have, the more the people that are unnoticed and unrewarded become disenchanted. Why is the work of my team or myself not valued as much as that of the next person? Does it start to have the reverse effect to the one we originally aimed for? People become disgruntled fed up, that they're never picked out, they're never celebrated. And then the ever-increasing number of awards has spawned alternative awards, Fab NHS awards being one such example. Then what about the big one? The Queen's Honours. Theoretically, the recognition of excellence, those whom are trying to change things and do good for society. Every time they're published, whether it be New Year's or the Queen's birthday, I feel frustrated. Politicians, celebrities, sports personalities just waltz into those awards. It's unusual for the little person, the person in their community, to get anywhere. Don't get me wrong, some amazing colleagues I know have been nominated and have won highly well-deserved Queen's Honours. And that has been amazing and I appreciate not everyone can win. But again, I attempted to nominate my good friend, Jill, known as Who Shoes. The process is complex if you're not an organisation nominating a person. It's not really geared up for individuals to nominate. One has to get at least two letters of support. And so I set about getting letters from all sorts of people. Those in positions of power and those that weren't. I was trying to demonstrate a depth and breadth of work showing her kindness, generosity, creativity and being a force for change in healthcare. I sent in abundant evidence, topping it up month on month. They tell you you can't tell the person that you've nominated and they also tell you there's up to a two-year wait. So I waited. 18 months in, there was a chink of hope. I was told that my nomination was being considered, and I was asked for an update. So I sent in yet further information, additional all the amazing things she'd been up to in the meantime, but to no avail. In the end, I felt sad that I had seen many people write amazing things about her. Every wonderful thing that had been said not to be seen by her because it was a secret. So when after two years, no award, I took things into my own hands. I took every letter of support. I took every comment. I took everything all the wonderful things that had been said and the huge long list of people who felt she deserved it, who had put themselves out to try and support my nomination. I put it in a book. I made her a book and I awarded her a CBE Lemon Class 2020 for challenging the status quo and I gave it to her. With my own version of an appropriate medal. So today's zesty bit. Remember what counts. It isn't the awards or the rewards, it's how you make people feel. I once saw on Twitter a comment. That that should actually be the first question at interview for any healthcare professional. They were talking about consultant interview. It could apply for nursing, midwifery, GP, allied health professionals, the lot. How do you make people feel? Rely not on external validation, but on internal validation. Think How do you make people think and feel and let that be satisfying enough at the end of the day that you feel that you have made other people feel valued, supported, safe and cared for and that award, that award should be enough. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of The Obspod. Feel free to contact me on Twitter at FW Maternity or at The Obspod to ask me questions, give me topics for future episodes, or let me know what you think. It's absolutely fantastic when you get in touch. I really enjoy reading your comments. As usual, I've tried to include in the programme notes some extra reading about this particular topic, both for professionals working in maternity care and for pregnant women using services. I'd like to reassure you that although I'm talking about my experiences working in maternity care, I take confidentiality very seriously and do not give any personal information about any of my patients. If you've enjoyed listening, I'd love you to recommend the ObsPod to friends or colleagues. And please do leave me a review on whichever podcast directory you find my episodes. Many thanks for listening.